Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. I want to recap for just a second. You know, we started out like one of the most profound couple words, if you, if you looked at that very first part of Philippians 1, grace and peace to you from God our Father. That little phrase, y'all, if you get in and study it, really transformed me for, it. I don't know, like it really rocked my world. And did you know that little phrase is found in 11 different New Testament books? That little phrase, grace and peace to you, 11 different New Testament books. Now, here's the deal. If that phrase is in 11 New Testament books, it's really, really important. But he says grace and peace is from somewhere. I believe today it's so challenging because everybody has a different perspective or point of view of where grace and peace are found. This morning... I love Sunday mornings with my family. We do church at four in the afternoon. I don't care if you do church at 4 a.m. or 4 p.m., it don't matter. Uh, Church is every day, every moment. But in the mornings on Sunday, it's one of my favorite times with my family. We have breakfast together and we sit on the front porch and uh, we pray and we talk and we have a good time and my kids go crazy and it's wonderful. And we made this little breakfast. We had oatmeal this morning and we were sitting out on the front porch like... uh, like Andy Griffith, I guess, it really felt like, you know, and we're just sitting out there and we're chilling and all of a sudden, like my girls lose their minds and start screaming. And I don't know about you, fam, parents, but like a peaceful little nice brunch in the morning, like is nothing better than just your kids just to scream bloody murder. My girls are running, just going crazy running. And I'm like, what is happening? And they're like, a bee, a bee. And this bee is swarming around and just flies away, of course. And something hit me. It was funny in the moment because I was like, I wonder what that bee thought. Has anybody ever wondered what a bee thinks? (laughs) My mind is so strange, y'all. But can you imagine being the size of someone's eyeball buzzing around? And all of a sudden, a roar comes out of a giant's mouth and shakes your little world? Could you imagine that life and that world? Horrifying. Anybody? That bee's got a point of view. My girl's got a point of view. But here's what was funny. When I asked my girls, what do you think the bee thinks? I know what he thinks. I'm about to sting those girls. I'm like, man, if you lived in a world where you were the size of of a giant's eyeball, I think the last thing I think is I'm going to get near to that thing that's screaming and shaking my world. I got to get away from this thing, you know? Everybody's got a point of view. But here's the reality. God's got view. Everybody today has a point of view. God's got view. He's the creator of view. And so I don't really care what somebody's point of view is. I want God's view. And if we have God's view, it can transform our point of view. And so I don't know what point of view you feel like you have today, 
But I want to invite God's view into my life to transform my point of view. And if my point of view is transformed into God's view, then God just might be able to enter into my space and transform what's going on in my world. I believe that's exactly what Paul is wanting us to understand. He wants to transform people's point of view because his point of view has been transformed in such a way. He's like, yo, life, life can be so different. And he writes this letter to this church and he's trying to get them to understand a few things. And so he starts off by just saying, hey, grace and peace. Listen, grace and peace to you. But listen, the world is going to tell you grace and peace are going to be found. Favor and peace are found here. Favor and peace are going to be found on a TV screen through a person, through getting this, through getting that. And I'm telling you, he says grace or favor is only gifted to you from God. And through grace, you're going to have peace in your heart. So are you searching for peace today? The challenge is, do you believe you can find peace outside of the way God's told you he'll, he'll give you peace? I mean, truthfully, y'all, most of the time, I want to believe it's somewhere different. I really do. I just really do. And every single time I have gone searching for the thing I thought would bring me peace, it brought me a great uh, exhilaration for a moment. Anybody? But down the road, I was really let down. I've just really been let down by every other promise. But I've found out that every single time, peace is available to us. So if you're in search for peace today, I promise you, grace and peace are to you. He says, grace and peace are yours. They're yours. They're yours, but they're from God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace are yours, fam. Grace and peace are yours. They're your right from God through Jesus. They're yours. Have them, live in them, enjoy them. Now, what does the life look like for somebody who's experiencing peace and grace? Joy is the byproduct. I'm not searching for anything from you. I'm not needing anything from this world. So guess what? I got joy. I'm not looking for it. So, man, I'm going to show up in every circumstance. I got joy. And you know what? Somebody's going to do me wrong. I get it. But I got joy with me. I wasn't in search for it here. So I'm not let down. Last week was funny, man. I uh, shared, uh, like, the whole message. And I got to the end. And I realized, like, I didn't even, like, tie the pieces together. So sometimes I just get up here and I talk. Sometimes I just get sidetracked and I... I just go off and I do my own thing, you know? And I'm sorry. I hope it's a blessing to you anyways. I know God uses it. But I talked about like, why did, I asked, why did the church grow in a time where there was persecution and challenge? But the reality of why is because of the joy of God's people. They weren't just inviting people into a church building. They were so filled with God, Jesus' joy. that They were going down the street and people were like, what is this people? Like Nero's lighting these people on fire to light his garden and they're still talking about Jesus. They won't shut up. There's gotta be something to it. Joy had filled their life and they weren't looking for joy. In fact, they had divorced the looking for joy in the world. I don't need it here. And I know I won't find it here. Jesus gave it to me, so I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. 
And I want to tell you, if you're in search for joy, let go of the things that you're searching for to find peace and come to Jesus. He wants to give it to you for free. Let go of your life and you will discover what life really is. Grab hold of Jesus and you will find and discover life. And joy will be yours, but joy is a byproduct of the presence of Jesus. Joy is the result of a heart connected with God's heart. Joy is a result of a heart connected with God's heart. And listen to me here. If you have a peace problem or if you are lacking peace, it just means you are lacking grace. They go hand in hand. So here's how we're gonna have some peace. Some of us need a reminder of this. But if you're lacking peace, then you lack grace. If you lack peace today, have grace for yourself. One, most of us lose our peace because we forget that Jesus gave us grace and we stop having grace for ourselves, and we start beating ourselves up and we start saying, I should be different and I should be changing. I should be there. I should be more like Jesus. I should do this. And we stop just saying, you know what? I know all those things I should be, but Jesus paid the price for me to be. And he died for me. And so the thing that I'll stand on, I'll appreciate the grace that he offered me. Grace is mine but through God and Jesus. Thank you. It's a perspective shift. So if you lack peace today, step into receiving grace. Receive grace for yourself today. But the second one is just as important. Give grace to others today. If you lack peace today, probably two reasons. One, you lack giving grace to yourself. Or two, you lack giving grace to somebody else. And here's what we say, but Jay, I don't deserve it. But Jay, they don't deserve it. And what we've just done is we've stepped into a world where we've decided what grace and peace would be. Peace would be if they didn't get grace. That's what a peaceful thing would be. They won't get grace and that's right. But is it true? It feels good. But is it true? And it's a point of view that I would love to have a lot of times. Anybody with me? That point of view sounds awesome. But I'm so glad that wasn't God's view for me. Where he was like, Jay, you gone too far. Ain't giving you nothing here, (laughs) you know? Challenging. But if you need peace today, give grace to yourself, one, and give grace to others. But now let's step into this place because it's very important for us to do this in a very mature way. Verses 8 through 11, I want to go there together. For God is my witness, Paul says, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. He prays that their love would grow. One, guys, your love is growing and that's okay. We're growing. Hey guys, enjoy the process of growing. It's okay to grow. Growth take time. Enjoy the process. Don't beat yourself up. But here's the next part that is very, very important for us to understand. With 
knowledge and all discernment. I pray that your love would abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that if you have knowledge and discernment, here's what's gonna happen, so that you may approve what is excellent. This would infer that we could approve what isn't excellent. If you just simply say, I'm just going to pour out love no matter what. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter at all. And it's just free. And it doesn't matter. And everything is just, you know. You might end up approving some things and helping things down the road that are not going to be excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I question like what this meant, but as I thought about the life of Jesus, I looked at his life and I started thinking about all those examples of the things that he did in every circumstance and how it was never cookie cutter. You never see him be like, hey, here's the model and here's how to do it, you know? I'm going to put up the graph here and be like, one, two, three. You got me tickled a little bit. Four, five. Here's how to do it. Doesn't do it that way, does he? He deals with the woman at the well so differently than he steps into the temple and he's like, grabbing this table and chucking it against the wall. But listen, like Jesus is the perfect model of love, right? Like love abounding more and more. And yet he grabs a table at a time and is like, boom. That doesn't feel so loving. But he knew in the moment with knowledge and discernment what everybody truly, really needs in the moment. And those who lacked grace, who who felt like they weren't enough, he always poured grace upon them. And the people who always wanted worse for somebody else, he turned what they wanted for somebody else and gave it back to them. Is that what you want for them? How would it feel if you got that? (laughs) Good luck. But he does it in such a profound way that's filled with wisdom and knowledge and discernment and he gets these results that are amazing in everybody's life. But what ends up happening to him when he lives a life abounding in love upon love upon love and it's perfect love but it's filled with knowledge and discernment. What happens to his life? I'll tell you what happens to his life is what happened to the Philippian church at the end of that chapter. Here's what happens to their life as their love abounds and they grow in knowledge and discernment. Verse 29 it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. I don't like that word. But here's what Jesus said in John 15. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the, world that I, the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. 
If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Suffering is a bear of a word. But if you step into this life where you begin to grow in love and you grow in your discernment and knowledge as you use that love, and here's how I say it. How has your life grown from your first dating relationship? Anybody, let's go with married couples first, okay? When you first got married, has times changed in how you deal with your spouse? No, not at all. Still the same. <laughs> it's way different, right? It's way different because you've had time together. You've experienced one another. Your love is transformed. You, in fact, know what kind of what love really kind of is a little bit more, Right? I deal with things so differently than we used to. I know what my wife needs and I know it's better if I just step in and I just give her the love that she deserves. And I want to do that more. I just want to, but I know what it looks like. And life has transformed based upon like how we've grown together. I'm trying to think of the example that I was thinking about earlier, but man, like when we first started out, y'all, it was like drama central, you know? We fought over putting dishes in the dishwasher. I'm like, I could care less how they go in there. Put them however you want. Dump them in there. I don't care. Throw the thing in there. Don't put them in. I don't care. We cared about dishes. But our love has transformed in such a way that we deal with each other so differently. And so, guys, as we walk with people and we grow in love, you're going to grow in discernment and knowledge. But here's the mystery of this passage for me. How did, he doesn't say like, here's how you're going to do it. He prays, he prays for them that their love would abound with knowledge and discernment. He prays for it. Y'all, do you know our prayers matter? Do you know our prayers are powerful? Do you know, I, I maybe potentially wonder does it depend on if we simply pray and ask God to give to us this kind of love that abounds with knowledge and discernment to a place where our life begins to look like Jesus? And then, does life progressing down the line then grant to us the gift of suffering? Because Paul says it really unique. He says, I aspire for two things. I want to know Jesus and that word know just means experience. I want to know him to the point of experience. I don't just want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Like I want to know what it means that he raised from the dead and all the power that happened there that he bestows upon us. I want to know all about it. I want to know what it's like to raise from the dead. Not only do I want to raise from the dead, I want to experience his suffering because it will help me know him so much more. Can you, I've heard a lot of Christians aspire to a lot of things. I've heard a lot of ministers say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to thousands. I've rarely ever heard anybody tell me, you know what I greatly aspire to? I want to suffer like Jesus so I know what he felt like. I want to know him to that extent, man. I want to die his death. 
so I could live his life. That's my great goal in life, y'all. I want to die like Jesus, y'all. That was Paul. There's three ways that I want to, I want to share that we can experience Jesus because I want to experience him. I want to experience him fresh and I want us to experience him together. One, we can experience Jesus through others' obedience. I can experience Jesus through somebody else's obedience. And this is where I believe a lot of us stop. I believe a lot of us stop and we observe other people being obedient to Jesus and it's a blessing to us. And we go, man, that was awesome. You're, you're, I mean, how you do that is incredible. Like you're, you doing your thing, like it was awesome. And I don't even think that's a wrong thing. That's a great thing, but we can't stop here. We don't stop here. And Paul says, I don't stop here by observing. I wanna press in and I wanna experience him. I wanna step into his life. So the second way that we experience Jesus is through obedience to Christ's commands. It's through doing what Jesus asked us to do. Do you wanna experience Jesus? Do you wanna experience him? Not just hear about him, not just observe somebody else. He invites you to come follow and walk with him. He invites you to come follow and walk with him. But we quit, I believe we quit at number one by observing others because we never get to the place where we really believe that verse about what Jesus said. He's like, I'm the vine, you're the branch. He who abides in me will bear a lot of fruit. We never get to the place where we really believe that I am in fact a branch that bears fruit. I believe God's the vine, I'm connected. I like connecting, but we never really get to the place where we accept the fact that God says, I'm the vine. I'm gonna supply all the the nutrients for you to produce. But the second thing is to really believe that you've actually connected to him and your responsibility to be in the branch is that your life actually produces. Do you believe that your life is the one producing Jesus stuff? Jesus' life flows through you. Have you accepted that yet? Believe that grace and peace are yours. It's yours, have it. Step into it. That's who you are. It's an identity of yours. The third thing, the third way that we experience Christ, we experience Jesus through sharing suffering with him. And I want to clarify something about this because I could talk for, I mean, months about suffering because suffering is so challenging. Jesus said in John 15, though, listen to me, suffering came because the world hated him. I don't think if everybody just listened to Jesus, there wouldn't be suffering. Do you know that? Like we wouldn't suffer. We would really enjoy life. Like it would be really great. We would share, we would get along. I would give up my life for you no matter what. And you would give your life up for me. That sounds wonderful. But the world hated Jesus and killed him because he loved perfectly. With discernment and knowledge, he told the truth. And we tell the truth to each other. And the world hates it. And so you know what the world does? Comes against it. So I want to prepare you. 
If you go after Jesus and your love grows more and more and your life begins to look like him, I wanna tell you, I wish that the world would just embrace you. And sometimes they do and their life will change. But when they embrace you, they haven't embraced you, they've embraced Jesus. Because what's transformed you is Jesus. But here's the truth, when they reject you, and here's my hardest thing, they don't reject you, they reject Jesus. I wanna think they reject me. And I want everybody to like me. Gosh, what did I do wrong? They hated Jesus, man. A lot of times they're gonna hate you too. So for some of us, for the body of Christ, it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, we should not only believe in him, but also suffer for him. You've been set apart to believe. If you believed upon Jesus, then you've set up, been set apart to reveal Jesus. Suffering is our lot. We're gonna go. We're gonna walk with Jesus and he's gonna comfort us. He's gonna give us joy in the middle of it. I'm gonna worry about a thing because I'm excited and he's with me. He's giving me power, resurrection power. Nothing can stop it. I read a story of a woman in Romania, in communist Romania. And this was in Christianity Today magazine. But she grew up under a brutal totalitarian regime in a time where questioning a government's directive would have caused her her death. But this girl named Vivian became obsessed with finding the truth. I mean, obsessed with it. So she went after her degrees and she actually joined law school. She got a law degree in Romania. And one evening, a client actually came in to discuss some paperwork. He radiated joy and peace, she said. Without even thinking, she said, I confessed, I wish I had your sense of peace and happiness. He asked, do you go to church? Yes, she said, I go Christmas and Easter. Everybody's Catholic there. Why, he said, would you like to come with me to my church on this next Sunday? The next Sunday, she said, I visited this man's church. The pastor read out of John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. I could not believe what I heard, she said. Someone was claiming to be the truth. I looked for the truth. I felt as though the verses he shared were written specifically for me that day. For the first time in my life, everything made sense. I accepted the pastor's invitation to trust in Christ as my Lord and Savior. From that moment on, I would de dedicate my life to pursuing and speaking the truth no matter the cost. Has that been your decision? No matter the cost. That's what Jesus said. No matter the cost, I will go to the end for Ryan. No matter the cost, I will go to the end for Jay, for Tippy, for Kevin. No matter the cost, Tucker. No matter the cost, John. No matter the cost, Donna. No matter the cost, Bo. So as we go into the world, is it no matter the cost, I go. No matter the cost, Jesus said to me, so I will go with him. To be our inspiration, no matter the cost, Jay, 
no matter the cost. Vivian then had a transformation of her life. She began defending fellow Christians facing imprisonment for transporting Bibles across the lines of, of targeted space. And many days her tires would be slashed and she, and she was actually kidnapped, bullied, pushed into moving traffic, beaten by secret police. However, the greatest test had yet to come for her. Late at night, she said, my legal assistant peeked into my doorway. She says, a big man is in the waiting room, <laughs> says he wants to discuss a case with you. <laughs> That's all he would tell me. I was taken aback at how enormous this man was, she said. As he sat down in front of my desk, a sneer formed at the corner of his mouth and slowly he reached into his shoulder holster, drawing a gun, he aimed it at me and said, you have failed to heed the warnings you've been given. I've come here to finish the matter once and for all, he said. She said, I heard a distinctive click. I'm here to kill you, he said. I was alone with my killer, she wrote, and yet I was not. I began silent, fervent prayers, recalling God's promises. Is that what you would do? Oh God, what if your promise? I don't even remember your promises. You know, that's what I'd be going through my mind. His spirit, his spirit breathed peace into my panicked heart, she said. That's exactly what will happen in our panic time. Then I sensed his message. He said, share the gospel, which is the power of God. I knew that behind those hate-filled eyes, he had a mortal soul. All of a sudden, discernment and knowledge came in. She had absolute discernment in this moment. I know exactly what to do. And I know the truth about you. You have a mortal soul. I know your need. Your need is the same as mine. I'm not afraid of you. He needed to know about the love that God has shown in Jesus Christ. So simple. At once emboldened, she said, have you ever asked yourself, why do I exist? <laughs> or what is the meaning of my life? Can you imagine that? Have you ever asked yourself, what is the meaning of your life? He slid his gun back into his holster, she said. Vivian leaned forward. You are here because God put you here. And he has put you to the test. Will you abide in God or in the will of a man? His eyes softened. Hebrews 9.27 says, people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. But the good news is that God has prepared a way out for every one of us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on a cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So she continued to talk to him and he appeared more peaceful. Finally, he said, you are right. The people who sent me here are crazy. I need Jesus. Then he said, I promise I'm going to come to your church as a secret brother in Christ and I will worship your powerful God. And with that, she said, my killer walked away a saved, a brother in Christ. He went on, listen to this. He went on to not stay a secret brother in Christ. He joined a seminary and she said that they actually keep in touch 
And he, like me, has found the truth and neither of us will be afraid to speak of it ever again. This is the Jesus experience. You see, Vivian was ready to suffer. She was ready to die. She said, I'm I'm good. I've made up my mind. I'm not going back. I got nothing to worry about. And no matter the cost, because Jesus said that for me, no matter the cost, I will say that for you. Who's that in your life? No matter the cost, no matter the cost, you need to hear this today. Either Jesus is speaking to you and saying, no matter the cost, it was you. No matter the cost, no matter the life you've lived, no matter the cost, I did it for you. I did it for you. I died for you. Come walk with me because I did it no matter the cost, I did it for them too. The world I long to save, now I've sent you into this world to be me, to reveal my love to them. Now let's go get it together. Would you give him your yes? Maybe you need to give a fresh yes today. Right where you are, that's what we're about to do. We're gonna sing a song, one of my favorites, and we're gonna give him our yes. And we're gonna leave rejoicing because guess what? God's got only great stuff in store. God's got only great stuff in store when we hit the streets. God's gonna do so much more in your workplace. When you prepare with Jesus, you walk with him. He wants to give you his love that abounds more and more with knowledge and discernment. Your life is gonna look like Jesus. Jesus is gonna show up at your work tomorrow. If you want that today, I wanna pray for you to receive that today. Our church wants to pray for each other to have that from our Father. Grace and peace are from Him. So let's receive it from Him today. If that's you today and you would say, man, I I want my love to abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment. I want that prayed for me from my church. If that's you and I I do not care if nobody's, if that's you, would you just stand right where you are just saying, "I, I I want that from my King. I want that from my King. Let's stand right where you are.